Good morning, everyone. Great to see everybody here. Decided to come out on a, take your time off on a busy Saturday. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to do a brief. I know that we're running a little bit behind schedule, um, so I might have to fly through some of the slides very quickly. But uh, I haven't done a presentation or teaching in a little while in terms of this. Um, usually it's be other things, but um, I hope that it's informative. Um, I'll give you a little background on myself, and um, hopefully it gets through the little bit of the butterflies with this new audience and everything else. Once in a while, um, the church that I attend at CFI, um, we do sermonettes and I would be able to speak, but you know when you get used to persons you normally see, you could speak like family. When you speak in front of strangers, it'll just be a different story. Um, so what we're going to do, Pastor Moss, just to give you a background on how I ended up here, Pastor Moss always said every time he saw me, he says, hey, I'm going to ask you to you know, uh, speak at a seminar. I'd like to do something in digital. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured I was just somebody just saying something. And you know, you just answer the usual so uh, you figured nobody would fall up on their word. But Pastor Moss actually fall up on his word, and he invited me to, to speak at his um, church to, to help enhance and to grow um, I, not only his fellowship, but to reach out to, to anybody that's willing to, to come in and, and, and see how they could pos, um, properly raise their, their children. So I'm hoping that we could, um, that can be achieved today. And no doubt the prayer that we had um, prior to beginning the seminar will be fulfilled. So, um, so I've been in the information, electronics and information technology for the past 25 years, just to give you a little background. And I have worked on a number of projects throughout the in the industry locally, and did a few volunteer stuff away, you know, with some friends when I went on vacation, and ended up putting a whole church um, thing, uh, project for the youth, uh, for their youth group and so forth. So the, just to give you, an, give you an idea, so I've had a bit of a lot of it. Now, what's surprising is that we're gonna be talking about digital dangers and everything else. Most of my career in the security is being where in the infancy of social media, um, companies considered it a, a they, they didn't they considered it very harmful um, for productivity. So a lot of my time was really spent blocking and ensuring that you know the company internet that they were spending so much money on wasn't being used to, um, for idle hands. So that because I ended up blocking it so much, I didn't use it as much within the context of myself because every time, I, every place I ended up, it was primarily blocked. And, um, but now companies, it's amazing the flip. Companies are now having to embrace it because that's the, they're using that as a communication medium to be able to talk to, um, to their clients on a one-to-one -one basis. So um, a part of myself is I'm married. And so I think that gives me uh, something to appreciate what parenting is about, and I can understand what Pastor Moore says is this is an, an 
in uh, a long time process. My child is um, both our sophomore students, and it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. So it seems like when I said, when I got married, when they say for better, for worse, for richer, for that I didn't, at that time, you didn't think about the child, and that was, you know, until death do us part, along with the children. So um, I have two daughters, Courtney and Tyler, and one is currently in university, and the other one is a sophomore at QC, um, Queens College, for those who may not be familiar with the acronym. So I'm going to give two, I'm going to a couple stories to help um, lighten the load in terms of this. Uh, parenting in the digital and the digital today's digital changes, and one of the stories um, is Irina, the Irina story, and I explain that. And then I'm going to do a small little snippet of something, to which will sort of be a segue into the seminar two um, session, and um, the other one is upgrade my content. Am I mature? Am I mature enough to upgrade my content? And before I get into that story, I see there's a good diverse group of others, so I'm going to try and uh, speed it through. Remember when we didn't have to think about securing things digitally? Um, we had the telephone. I, m I recall my parents, um, we had this one telephone, and they, they refused to get this two-way calling, so you could never be on the phone too long. And um, so then we move on to the, tel we had one telephone, Damien Holmes had one television, you know, so we all remember seeing that big old TV set. So to control the content during our lifetime when we were growing up, you just had to sit in the, you know, they could have just controlled it. Whatever was in the front room, that was it. Then technology moved to where we had the videotape story, you know, you plug in the one VHS. So content was still, you could see, very static, um, almost singular, was in multitude of things. Then we moved to the Walkman, so they started to get a little bit more rare. You no longer have to be tethered you know, to your living room and so forth. You, you can now carry it on your side and so, so forth. Then we had the, the antenna, so we were picking up content um, from, from locally. Some of us were lucky enough to either be living in grandmama's as, as, as I did for a while. So we got the, you know, the South Florida stations very clear, whereas over here in New Providence, you sort of had to be excited and somebody had to hold the rabbit ass and say, you know, is it clear yet? So we, our content was basically primarily sadness. And you know how that went, you know? And uh, so again, content was very simple for us growing up and for children. So I'm sure everybody then saw that we had, we then, we, this just shows the growth in terms of how we wanted more content. We wanted to be um, our attention span, as Pastor Moss said earlier, um, just became more and more um, hungry for it. So every little house over here had a big satellite, and that was part of what I did in my early days in the electronics. Um, it was a satellite engineer in terms of working with one of the largest. Um, satellite providers over here at that time. So we, was, we were installing this thing like five a day and, and that thing, and almost every home had it. So then we, you then had the digital satellite box. 
if those who are satellite. And this is where that content that Pastor Moss talked about earlier started to become more in, um, open into our homes because I'm, there were a lot of homes where, if you recall, satellite content at that time was open. You've got 100 plus channels, you know, before they start to lock it down and everybody say, did you get the code? Did you get, you know, and you have to buy this and that. So content was being delivered practically in our homes. And these boxes at that time, um, they had some digital parental controls in it. I doubt any of us really exercised those things. And then you had certain satellites you could have locked out because there were certain satellites that were like C-SPAN rated, and then there were certain satellites that had, I remember this guy, a friend had, um, he used to tell me, but he was a Church of God guy, and he said, man, you gotta watch this guy, and he said, and this guy used to be sitting there talking like an MSNBC editor, and he, had, he used to be smoking his cigar, and he'd be just going off all day. I can't remember his name right now. So we were all exposed to this type of thing where you go over to your friend who had the satellite, if you didn't have it, and you watch the content, or they record it on, on VHS tape, and then it'd be passed around the neighborhood. So that's how we bypassed a lot of the, if we had regulations in our home to be able to watch content, we figured out a way around it. And you know, it'd be networking um, with your friends or your schoolmates or whatever to do it. Then we moved to the cell phone. They were very rudimentary, send text, black and white. We could now make calls and everything else. So again, we are fast forwarding where things are getting closer and closer and more personalized, where we have it on, on, on ourselves. Then, as we are now teenagers or having children, we started to have to buy the, the, um, the personal gaming consoles. Um, anybody remember games such as Mortal Kombat? Right, and so you had these games that were coming out. They, they moved from the, from the Donkey Kong where you jump up and, and the ping pong tables and so forth where they started to have what we call game changes or first person shooters such as Doom and, uh, and Mortal Kombat. I used to play a lot of that. And, uh, and um, so that used to be the neighborhood. Who is going to be able to, to do the final um, thing where you suddenly see the head cut off and so forth. At that time, it didn't seem, seem that bad. And your parents didn't really check you know, what was going on. You just had the game where you go over to the friends. Those who parents didn't run checking to and they bought the games with no video content. But the video content and gaming content wasn't as controlled and we weren't concerned about, we didn't have a lot of school shootings and, and the like. And so we all thought it was harmful at that time, correct? Harmless, right. And so we missed the days where we were on our bicycles and choppers and everything else. You know, everything was, was going that way. And the old days of the postal mail where you had to write a letter to your pen pals and so forth. So this was all content that was all sort of static. They took, a, they took time. Um, they weren't as, as moving at the speed of light, as what Pastor Moss said earlier. When we went to school, we caught the, the coaster bus or the regular bus, so that was very easy. And we had the digital, we had 35 millimeter or Polaroid cameras at the time, so 
this thing where you see a body coming across in your WhatsApp was impossible. You know, you had, that had to be a special moment for you to go lug around that big t um, camera. And <clears throat> if you wanted to really do videos, then you had to carry that big device. Fast forward, we hit in the 2000, late 90s, 2000s. We got the modem. We now have internet. Then we got these personal devices, um, big graphics for the video games. Now Mortal Kombat's moved to, to, the, to the carjacking, um, so forth. You now buy the, your child a um, handheld portable, so now they're getting the games, and now they're hungry for games because now you can carry it and play it anywhere. And I'm going to speak a little bit more to the personal console and see how that was being used. And now we had the everything is now moving digital now, as you can see. We have now the digital cameras, we have the iPods and the phones, and now at, at the, you know, the power in the palm of your hands. And then you have the iPod. And then suddenly now, boom, 2000, if you weren't aware of the internet and you, had, you couldn't afford to sacrifice your one phone line, and go through the frustrations with the provider at the time and not, not be able to get on. You suddenly have broadband. Welcome to Rev1 and cable TV and everything else. And this is where content for everything that you saw earlier is now in that one cable coming into your homes that you're paying a hundred plus dollars for. That's on your in your in your hand. And then why what promoted the growth was Wi-Fi. Everybody's looking for Wi-Fi. If you don't have Wi-Fi, it's, like, it's almost like living without water nowadays. It seems to be some, somebody you know, besides the power. And so then we have tablets. So now we have a consolidation of all the technologies, basically. You have the, the iPad or a tablet. Now has a camera on it. You can run videos. You, can, you have your telephone. So all those things that we were dealing with back in the early 80s that you know, that were uh, basically an anchor you didn't want to carry. It's now portable, and now it's in your hands. And all that is carrying digital content because you now have access to Wi-Fi and Internet. And so that we never really thought about the dangers because everything is moving fast-paced. And how do we move um, coming and preparing for the 21st century? So we had to remove the computers. And also our TVs now also are intelligent devices. They're talking about Internet of Things and so forth, so even your refrigerators are all going to be connected in some way. So when we had this consolidation of tablets and everything else, the world had to figure out how we're going to get content. And it all started at some point when we started to use Napster. I don't know if those remember Napster, because remember we had the satellite, so we were accustomed to getting this free content coming to our doorstep. Then suddenly, Canada and the US start to lock it down, so we couldn't find the codes. And then suddenly we heard about things like Napster, because now you could download you know, the latest you know, um, hip music from Kardashian or whomever is, is out there, and, and bring it onto one of your portable devices. And then you have um, streaming services, such as Netflix, Hulu, and whatever. But just before that, I didn't show it on here, was that you had content where, because we were, the culture over here was that we didn't respect copyright in a way. 
And so, you know, the guys used to be selling, well, they still sell the DVDs, I think, on the road, or we go to the place that, that had the copy VHS. This is all content we all wanted. And we just have made it more convenient now where we don't have to go to the store, look for the guy on the side of the road, and see if we're going to get something that's, that's being filmed as if you were sitting in the theater. And this is all, as a result, very willing to, uh, because they locked down in one area, our workaround is now we just stream uh, some content. And what has happened is, is when we had the VHS tape, tapes before, for, in, for, for example, was that we weren't exposed to a lot of content because they had, they had those devices geographically locked. In other words, if there was some movie that was being filmed, you would probably never reach this region or, you know, so if something was in the UK. Now with these streaming services, access to a lot of content where countries are a little bit more liberal than where we are right now are available to, to your fingertips. So you feel that you have a, div you have a very diverse thing. So the things that Pastor Martin mentioned earlier in terms of these things being discussed in Canada or, or the UK or, or Israel or wherever, they are at your fingertips. And you have to recognize that some of these countries are very liberal in the way that they, that they watch programming. For instance, I remember being in the UK, and you wouldn't get profanity on the regular stations. It wasn't blocked anything else, but nudity is, is commonplace on TV, just like how you have ZNS. They'll show most of it, whereas over here in the US, that may be something with you'd have to subscribe to the cable beyond the basic channels. So all that content from all over the world, which have different levels of um, liberalization in terms of how they see that, is now coming here into your, into your palm of your hands. Um, so parenting in the digital world, I'm going to focus on one or two things related to um, things like YouTube as an example. And one of the things that really pushed, I think, things over, overboard is, is a subject, well, a content provider called YouTube. And that was basically, I think, a catapult in us wanting content for, for um, looking at things on the internet. And because you could have posted just about or uploaded just about any type of content in, into YouTube before um, there were any real concerns on it. So we're going to touch in the session two about things on how to control your YouTube content, which YouTube is not, it's like it's a two-edged sword. It's good because we seek information on how to correct problems that we may have. You're learning from it. You know, um, if you're trying to sew something or you broke something, you learn how to fix it. Um, you could fix your car. You know, you could figure out how did they, oh, if you have children, you have projects in primary school, and YouTube is the answer. <laughs> so we use YouTube primarily, but you know that beyond the YouTube for, for figuring out how to build that volcano for that school project, and the, the, the children, the, I think the teachers know in the elementary schools that there's no way that the child could really build a volcano by themselves and bring it to school. And you as a parent, you don't really have time, so we use that. But at the same time, if they go in, then it's a way how, how to, to um, that. So the other thing we're going to deal with um, in the digital age is the other social media environment. And those would be things like um, Snapchat, Instagram, and, and the like. A lot of it would be in, in the session two, two area. 
And so we have a lot of content at your fingertips. As you can see there, it probably may not dis um, display well, but the center icon sort of depicts that there's a ton of content and social media platforms that, that, you, that you can use or choose. And I just wanna, to go back to the very beginning, right, so I was gonna give a story about the digital dangers. And I just, I, what I tell parents when I speak to them is that digital dangers are no different than, than real dangers, even though you, you could touch, you can't touch and feel digital, but you could touch and feel this. There was a time when my daughter was telling me about a story where they were, went on a school bus trip, they were coming back, and the bus, had, the bus was stopped in traffic. So one of the students decided that uh, they were gonna get some Ari nuts. So they went, they asked the guy who was selling nuts on iron nuts on the side of the road for a set of iron nuts. So they, he was now serving the students in the bus. The student pulled out $5, gave it to the iron nuts. And we know iron nuts is only a dollar. I mean, before a VAT, this happened before a VAT and all that stuff. <laughs> so it's a dollar. So she was saying, what happened at the end, what happened was is that the guy with the iron nuts started to say like he couldn't find the change. And so he knew that the light was going to change. And so the bus and the, the teacher or the, the teacher or the driver of the bus, the school bus at the time, wasn't aware of the transaction that was going on at the back of the bus that they, the children were buying nuts from the Irene Nuts guy. So the bus pulled off and the Irene Nuts guy didn't give the students back their change. So he basically pocketed if they gave him $10 or $5, I understood it was $5, could have been some more. He didn't give him back, he just pretended as if, and so the students couldn't get back their chains, started to cry. And then the other children in the bus started to laugh at the student who started to cry because he didn't get back the change. But that just shows that even within the context of the Bahamas here, children could be taken, taken advantage of, where we would never think of it. We move that into the digital world, and you, and you leave that content open up, your children will be susceptible to those who will try to take advantage of you. And that was, that was a startling example of, we can't be there all the time for our children, so we have to teach them ways, practical things to do to protect themselves and to ensure their safety. Because I would have never thought that on a school bus trip, I would be expecting a call or the school bus was an accident, but this, you know, for the, my daughter to tell me this story, and she's like, Daddy, what should I do? And so I had to explain the whole story of it. So that was my Irina story. And that's just, um, just highlights that as soon as they walk out of the presence of you from your house, you, that safety net isn't there that you, could, that you could be the umbrella for their protection. Uh, <laughs> And I was, a, you know, you just go up there, and so cause my, my parents used to write downtown, but you, you know, I used to like to read books, and I used to go down there, and I guess they, hopefully they have different books. So you always wanted to go up to the top floor, get the books. But um, we knew that content was available and wasn't being discriminated because you could have gone to the library. The problem is now you had to do the, um, you had to basically go to the library, um, pull out a physical book, and read content. But I remember reading some books that, um, they were quite salty uh, in at the time. So um, library 
again, that information that's, that's in there is now readable on your, on your Kindle reader, so, or your, Barnes, or your Nook or whatever, other, you know, if you have an e-book and so forth, so you want to be able to look at, at content. So don't be saying that, oh, we just need to have the library with the books because a lot of books are being published, you know? I mean, take for instance, even if you look at today's news, and uh, we have a president that is sexually thing, and they are publishing books on that now, but you would notice that in the, in the high schools, they're teaching about American history and so forth. So I'm sure, um, I see a couple of toddlers inside here, by the time they are in, in school, they're probably gonna have to be learning about, as my children has, about past US presidents, what's going on here. So you, we cannot be ignorant and neglect news events that are also um, may have content that, that you may seem object, objectionable. But um, I went to the library just as part of my research here and one of the public libraries, and to my surprise, they had internet here at the, at the library. And so I asked um, if I was a child at a certain age and I asked to use the computer in the library, I asked them, I said, um, is there, are there gonna be any restrictions? So the lady looked at me like, am I from Mars? <laughs> and she said, no. I said, are you serious? She said, no, you just signed the paper and you just sit there. I said, do you watch? They said, no, you just go on. They said, is, is there any content filtering at all? They said, no. So you could go to one of our national public libraries over here, which are all now um, internet connected. They have nice computers there, sit down in nice AC. Children says, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to the library. And you say, oh yeah, you know, have fun, you know, read the book. But they, that also gives them a room to, to, um, to look at content that you may have filtered at home. So we're gonna look at ways how certain things will, you circumvent things to, to um, work with, work with um, to, to be about. So essentially, sort of a segue into, into seminar two, we're gonna talk about bad content, sexual content, was good content on the internet, educational content, collaboration, security, and safety. And, um, and where do you go? How do you keep safe and practical advice? And this is what this seminar is, will, will hope to address um, your concerns with. Um, content, digital content I would, I would classify as you know, violence, Anything, these would be nudity, profanity, soft porn, um, because there's some serious stuff going on in terms of what you could see um, nowadays, and violence, hatred, and suicide, because um, we have a, we shouldn't take suicidal tendencies as a, that's a danger for your child as well. How, do, how are they dealing with the stress? Because now it's no longer a five hour day of bullying, um, it's a could be a 24 hours of, of bullying, or they read some content um, that says this is the path to freedom, or this is the path of how to resolve whatever conflicts they are going through in their in their in their mind. I know I know of a particular case where um, there was a thing called the choke game. Have y'all heard of that? Yeah. Well, the choke game basically, for those who are unaware, is that it, it's supposed to be like giving yourself a high. 
you, you choke yourself to the point where you re remove all the oxygen and the brain. The, what happens is there's some, I don't remember the actual thing, but there's some hormones that are generated at the time when, you, when your brain lose, when you lose oxygen, and that basically gives you a high. And so there was a thing going around where you, you choke yourself as long as possible until you just about pass out. And typically, it used to work where they were doing it in pairs. So um, if, the two, if you didn't have a child visiting, they used to do it where they used to just chat with each other using some type like FaceTime or something. And then they will get out of revival. And um, a couple of, the, they started to do in a single mode. And a couple of those haven't been very successful. Um, they didn't, the, the child didn't, didn't recover. So these are all um, examples of what some of the digital dangers are. And so we shouldn't exclude suicidal um, trends and tendencies that are there because it could go anywhere from playing the choke game to some, you know, where there is, you know, sniffing um, your um, household items to, to try to generate the high because they don't have access to the, to the pharmaceutical um, things to actually do that. And so, um, Okay, um, so I hope that that was to, hope that gives you an idea in terms of, of what some digital dangers that there are there. Um, we're gonna hopefully address how to, um, how to manage the content, how to manage your devices, and we hope to, to, um, to be able to, to um, share that information. I, what I'd probably do is, at that time, I'd probably include, because of some of the content here was really to be a segue into that so that it could sort of prep you for the things that, that I'll be discussing there. And I'll try to fast track things up so that we could stay on track um, to, to, to one thing. Does do you, anybody have any questions so far and what was, has been said so far? Okay, thank you, um, Mr. Lincoln um, Hanlon, for your presentation. I really appreciate it. Again, I'm a, I'm a type of person, I, I like to be on the forefront. I, I, want, I like to know um, what's happening, who is um, pushing these things, and why are they pushing these things, and, you know, so I can make my informed decision and educate my children. I have a, a nine-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-week-old, one right? <laughs> And so um, the internet, basically, we use it. I use it. I'm doing an MBA online. So, you know, it's, it's, um, I use it in a very fruitful way. Again, I teach my children. I tell them, okay, certain things you cannot watch. There are certain subliminal messages. And I tell my son, you know, what to look for and stuff like that, what to avoid, et cetera. But um, behind all of this digital promotion, I know there's this company called Singular, Singular, and they're really pushing this digital age, and they have their own agendas for what they think that the world should be in the next 40 years. I know YouTube and uh, YouTube, um, Google owns YouTube, and um, they have a, their agenda with their 
Um, I think promotion of this AI, uh, um, artificial intelligence yeah, kind of right. thing, yeah. and all of that, um, like I said, there, there's a, um, a global agenda with Singular. I think um, um, Bill Gates and this other guy called Ray Wurzkerl or something like that, and it's 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 very cryptic when you when you listen and and, and hear the their belief their they're, they're actually pushing their world beliefs on us, and if we're not vigilant, you know, we can fall into to their trap trappings. And again, I would admonish parents to be more curious and to find out, you know, what what is happening and who is pushing it, and just don't just gravitate to it. Because a lot of it is programming. They're programming you. They're programming your children using the internet, using even the, telev um, the television. It's programming. It's they're programming your mind, you know. And and we we need to be more cognizant of what, what's 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 happening and be, you know, more proactive. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your. Yeah. There. There. Um, I mean, we can do things in the Bahamas to help do. Um, get past some of those things that you mentioned. Um, because what you find is in a lot of countries that there are, um, the way how technology really works is that somebody decides that they have an idea and they, and they work on it and they, they build it. And then the country supports it and build it. There's nothing stopping a student, our children, from building a, a portal or a site that's, that's based on our cultural norms and beliefs. And it becomes popular. For instance, WhatsApp is not very popular in certain other countries, or YouTube isn't, because there's somebody that's from that particular region who builds an app, and the, the entire region runs and goes behind that particular product. So that, that is one solution that we could, we could do to, you know, to sort of offset those things. Um, but we all have to be, like you say, um, vigilant and as to you know these technology leaders that are that are that are putting the technology there um ai um she mentioned artificial intelligence and um, that's the biggest thing if your child is getting ready for college and so forth they're going to be dealing it, before when we went to when we went to university and so forth they would call computer science now they're saying it's data science is the thing and ai is one is going to be a, a major job if they're going to be looking for a career in any information technology, um, they're going to have to be data science professional, and AI is one of the biggest things out there. Um, I'm, uh, my cousin, is, he says when he, he lives in, he's in Japan, he lives in Japan, and he said everything is AI over there. He says, you know, you go to, it's in your sink, you know, you go to the, it's in their TVs, they talk to their TVs, they go to the sink, they put down in there, water's on. So when he, when he came down, he said it was a big difference for him because he said he's end up putting his hand underneath the water top and he's like, where's the water? And so um, we have to, technology isn't bad. It's balancing and making it sure that it, it fits in your family first. And then hopefully it then extends to your neighbor and so forth so that collectively you can use it because um, you know, when BPL goes out and the light goes out, we don't be too happy, you know, because we don't have access to our devices. So I'm not sure 
how are we going to be able to, to, um, to treat or have technology as a, say it's the bad guy, because we're enjoying the benefits of technology right now. We're sitting here very cool. Y'all can hear me very well. I don't have to shout. So there are benefits. We just need to make sure that we, and the reason why we're here is to try to make sure that those benefits are always more focused and, and highlighted than the non-positive um, side of it. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen and read about the future, you know, you can download your consciousness into your, your phone with, and, with the Android, with Android, <laughs> with the Android um, app, and certain things that that, that I see that, that that's out there. It's, 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 it, it to me, it's a little frightening, you know. Well, and these are like predictions that I'm I'm seeing maybe even the next fifty years, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Don't, I, I wouldn't say be fearful because we all can't control the future. And I mean, even, even the Bible speaks about, you know, we don't know, don't plan you tomorrow because we just have to worry about today. But even if you look and you go back several years when certain things were said and we were very, um, technology was introduced that was controversial at the time, we think very little of it. And maybe Pastor could speak to this, whether it's, it's um, right if you are... Um, a believer. Um, I mean, one, you could go back years ago where we would not probably consider having a blood transfusion. You know, is that bad? Um, having a transplant, is that bad? Technology has allowed us to do so, so many things. Um, you know, should we, you know, get somebody else's eye to make ours improve, or should we extract a part to make improve and, and to heal us in another area? We could have, this discussion could go on in terms of the back and forth on it. And um, certainly there's some things that can be addressed from a biblical standpoint and, and, and the pastor would probably be more the person to speak towards those things. But for the most part for the session, and maybe some of your answers could be answered, some of your questions already could be answered in, 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 the, um, in, the, in um, the second session.